don't know how to start this thing, but hello everybody. My name is Donovan. I'm here with my co-host and stepbrother, Levi. Uh, and uh, hey. welcome to D&D and DM, Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeon Masters. Um, where I still think we should change the name to Dungeons, Dragons, and Dungeon Masters. Did, did, Take out that first and. So just DD and DM? Yeah. Just da 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 and dum. That sounds weird. <laughs> 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 that's, that's kind of what that sounds like. <laughs> Hi. Oh, boy. <laughs> In this podcast, this is, we're going to teach you how to how to hopefully become a, a, good, a good dungeon master. So you want to be a dungeon master, huh? Do you, kid? Or game master. Or game master. Who really gives a shit uh, at this point? Um, I get, Same thing. I, uh, a, a few of, uh, people that I know actually have, I don't want to say asked me to guide them on the ways, but have asked me, how, like, how the fuck do you do this thing? Um, That's so, happened to me before, too. Yeah, because not, not, everybody's willing to play, but nobody's willing to actually, like, sit down and... Uh, yeah. play the game out, or write the game out, or, you know, be... Uh, the dungeon master. Right, exactly. Um, so, it, it's, this is gonna, hopefully, will be, like, not necessarily a step-by-step guide, because this is probably not gonna follow any <laughs> continuous any order. Any sort of guide. Yeah, or any order in, uh, we, we tried to categorize it, but, you know, this, this shit's kind of hard <laughs> sometimes, so. Um, but I wanted to start, tangents. I wanted to start with a, a, a quote that I found. And it's, uh, tabletop gaming is really only one thing. It's about one thing. It's not about playing make-believe. It's not about the rules. It's not about your world or your story. It's about a group of friends getting together and having fun. That's, that should be your, your first and foremost thought whenever you, you want to even begin to th- think about taking on the DM role or GM role. You're the, you're the one running the fun, pretty much. You, you're the one in charge of making sure everybody is having fun. If they're not having fun, it's your fault. For the most uh, part, that, yeah. For for the most part, there are always exceptions to everything we're about to Well, most of everything we're about to say. Um, you're going to feel like you're going to be hurting sh- cats at some points. Other points, you're going to just want to cry. Uh, but... <laughs> Just stick with it. It gets easier, I promise. Yeah, the more you do it, the more you practice, and the more that you play with a, a certain group of people, is the way, way easier it becomes. Um, so uh, before you even like begin to take on the tasks at hand of becoming a DM, I feel like you should ask yourself a couple of questions. Uh, and the first one being, can you act however the character that you're playing is feeling, unapologetic, excuse me, unapologetically, uh. Yes, <laughs> in front of your friends or even strangers. So can you act like a fool in front of your friends or strangers unapologetically? Well, it's not even that. Can you just... You don't have to be the world's greatest. You don't have to be fucking, you know, any Hollywood A-list actor. But just be able to let go of making a fool of yourself. Because you, you will. Oh, yeah, sometimes big you time. Gotta. And that is, sometimes you're going to play a, a dumb character. Uh, that it, it makes an ass out of themselves, and you have to be willing to absolutely just nail that, that. like nail that on the head, man. So you and that's, that's <laughs> like uh, I'm actually trying to do that in your game with uh, fucking Toothums. Toothless, yeah, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Toothum or whatever the fuck his abbreviated name is. He's not the smartest, but he's the fucking strongest of, of them all yes so yeah and that you have minus to one in intelligence for a reason <laughs> there was a dump stat uh yeah so you have to and you can't be sorry for it either and you can't you can't be the shy one at the table and we'll get a whole lot more into like role play and stuff like that as we get on but you have to be willing to just do it um, yes that is the very, second question important uh, can you dedicate any amount of time to this new hobby that you're about to pick up because it can take a lot of it yeah, this is probably the most important one right. because my god, and I, I, planning, running, and getting ready for a game takes hours. It can, it absolutely can, and it just it. I feel like it really depends on how dedicated you are as a GM or player or hobbyist or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and how you make your games really. Because you have you and I that actually sit and plan this shit out. We'll write the worlds and the scenes and get the maps and all of the character sheets and all that shit ready. And then you have people like Jared and improv DMs and stuff like that who will, they'll, like the day of, they'll just write a couple bullet points or ideas down on a piece of paper and just run the session. So yeah. it, 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 it needs to do two things. It needs to fit your schedule comfortably 
uh, and it needs to work for you. So if you're like stressing yourself out over writing the DM campaign, maybe try writing less because that's what I started doing and it's helped me um, tremendously. Or if, if your games seem slacking a little bit and you find yourself with some free time, maybe not, why not, you know, crack open a notebook and start jotting down some ideas. Um, another thing is, as a DM, while you're running a game and making sure everybody else is fun, make sure you have fun as well. If, if, if writing a campaign, running a campaign, doing all this stuff is taking up too much of your time, stressing you out beyond belief, just say, talk to your players and say, hey, look, this is not working out. I'm not, you know, I, I can't do it for X, Y, Z, but your fun is just as important as your players fun because when you stop having fun no matter what your players will stop having fun it is just a direct one-to-one connection and i can i can bring an anecdote anecdote to the table for this uh it's exactly why we started doing my sessions every other week um it was because you know i have a full-time job and a band and other hobbies other than DD and a girlfriend and a dog and you know i have my plate is pretty full all the time so i need that extra space and that breathing room to be able to really sit and relax with my story rather than having to just fucking shove something out every week and hope to god that they like it or hope hope that it you know makes sense at the end of the day so the, yeah, i guarantee I, you your players will gladly give up a week you know, go to it every other week schedule or give you more time so they can have more fun at these at the sessions. Yeah, no, that's that's a very important thing to uh, be as well. If you say, all right, guys, we're going to have a weekly session, don't be afraid if you bite off more than you can chew to say, hey, look, I need to do it every other week. Or Absolutely, yeah. Don't be afraid to change your schedule. Um, try to keep it on the same day, though, because other people do have jobs, you know. <laughs> yeah. That... <laughs> but that brings us... You can change the frequency. Just change the frequency. Don't change the date. Like the specific date. I thought you were going to say channel. I thought we started talking about radios for a second. You were going to say change the frequency but not the channel. I'm pretty sure isn't that the same thing. But this ne- the next question, are you dedicated enough to see this whole thing through? The whole thing from start to finish. Are you dedicated enough from the get-go to say, I want to see the story to the very, very end? Because nobody likes a quitter, especially if you're the one, or especially if the one quitting is running the story. We'll get into this more later, but as a DM... Do not run some super elaborate, over-the-top, grandiose campaign for your first game. Do something stupid simple. If your campaign ends up being this grandiose thing, cool, that's wonderful. Plan your campaign in segments. So, you know, plan the first session, maybe the next section. Session. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, we, we need to yeah, we need yeah, to keep yeah, on track. Yeah, We're going to yeah. cover all of this later. Exactly, exactly. So just be prepared to dedicate yourself to so we play on Sundays. Like every Sunday I know that at 5 p.m. I'm going to be behind that DM screen. I'm going to be running a game for these assholes. I'm going to call them assholes, but I love them very much. These are my favorite players I've ever played with, but they're still assholes. Um so know that <laughs> definitely. And I have a plan and I have an end an end game <laughs> in mind already even though we're six session six sessions in and I plan to see this to the very very end because that's what a story is. Um, and on the flip side of that same coin, are your players dedicated enough uh, to help see this whole thing through? And I put help in there for a reason, because it is everybody's story at the end of the day. You know, you're not yeah, just that, writing that's... a book for these people. They have to help and put their ideas in, too. Uh, they will, whether you want them to or not. It, exactly. And that's, again, we'll cover all of that stuff later. But with these, like, four basic questions, can you act however you're, you know, can you act in front of people? Can you dedicate your time? Are you dedicated enough to see the whole thing through? And are your players dedicated enough to see the whole thing through? If you can get a yes to all four of those, I think you are absolutely 100% ready to move on and start actually like seeing this thing through. Uh, yeah, trying to do it. Make sure you have a space ready for it. Like, yeah. So You're going to need a dining room or like Donovan, we have a pool table with a board over it and that works great for us. And two other tables on either end to house that many people. But that's specifically yes. for physical uh, like D&D and that's, I guess we should have prefaced this more too, that's kind of what we're leaning more towards. That's kind of what all of yeah, us is. Yeah, physical. In-person D&D. We, we will touch on like online stuff a little later, but I feel like that could be a whole other episode in and of itself. So this is mostly going to focus on, you know, physical. There is a lot of crossover between the two, but... No, this episode is for physical, in-person D&D. What, what can you expect from being a DM? You know, say say you've been a player for three or four sessions, and you know what it's like to run around in the world, and you know what it's like to stab goblins and, you know, 
be the thing that the person is writing the story for, but now you have to be the flip side of that. You have to be the goblins, you have to be the trees and the mountains and the water, and you have to you have to bring all of this stuff to life, so what do you expect from that? In my uh, brain, it's basically self-administered homework. <laughs> that, that's very accurate. That is definitely a very accurate statement there. So... Like expect expect you to give yourself more homework than your teachers ever gave you because you're going to come up with an idea about a thing that may or may not ever come to light and you you may or may not write six or seven pages on it like uh, I do 100% if I have an idea I just fucking roll with it but um, you you, like like we said earlier if it's going to take time whether you want it to or not whether you let it take 10 minutes or 10 hours um, I'm on the verge of 20 hours a week pretty much that I spend on my sessions but I love this shit so personally I spend about maybe 5 hours every week on it but that's just because um, I don't I don't plan as many things as uh, Donovan does well I wouldn't even say that I just I don't go as into much as much detail as he does. I go into a lot of detail about my story and my weavings and stuff like that. And those scenes can get really hard to write and get to come across well. So a lot of my stuff is rewriting and replanning and stuff. But it is really actually about 20 hours and it always has been. Yeah, for me, I just generally put my general ideas down and then I hammer it out as I go. See, I I like to have a little bit more of a space netting than that. But again, like we said, it's each their own. Like all of this is going to be taken with a grain of salt, of course, because everybody's going to play the game. <clears throat> and run their games a hell of a lot different than the next guy. Doesn't mean anybody's wrong. Doesn't mean anybody's right. Yeah. It's just how people do it. But what can you expect, like around your table and the general like mood, I guess. Um, and to me, that can depend a lot on the player's experience level with the game. Um, meaning, so oops, excuse me, veteran players know when to get rowdy and when to play and when to like yeah. goof off and stuff like that but they also know when to calm down let the calm dm slash gm yeah. speak set the scene and really get their point across whereas new players they often get distracted easily if they're not in the spotlight or in a scene um they'll start talking or they'll they just won't pay attention right they'll end up talking over each other i deal with this every sunday yeah talking over one another will continue on for a while um until you get really experienced players and that's really even more so experienced with the group that you're in because then you learn your other players cues and you know you realize oh he's about to talk or you start to learn the chemistry of the party right and especially more so whenever the that specific party plays together more often so along with that and so if you're playing with a bunch of new people and all of your table including yourself is new to the game expect a lot of chaos expect a lot of uh looking in the book and a lot of uh talking over each other a lot of arguing for uh argument's sake (laughs) not to be redundant but uh you guys are gonna bicker back and forth about who you think is right and whatever and that's completely normal um but you, the DM, have ultimate say-so. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was about to say, is whenever an argument breaks out, um, if somebody says, oh, but the rules say this, if you think that rule is stupid and you just don't like it, you can just say, yeah, well, that doesn't happen in this game. I, You you run the game, it's your rules. It, it literally says, if we're going by 5e rules here in the Dungeon Master's Guide, that every single thing in this game is to be taken as you want it or don't want it to be. Uh, like for the longest time I tried to get rid of spell slots because I thought for a while that it kind of made casters like useless after all of their spell slots were gone Um, but that that's a whole nother story I was very wrong but the example of that is you can take even the most basic of the the rules of the game that you're playing and change them to however you want and makes make the say so because it is your game and you do have the ultimate say so however again at the end of the day make sure everybody's having fun i don't think i've ever actually played in a game without a rules lawyer sometimes i was the rules lawyer uh, rules a rules lawyer is a player who reads the rules and then tries to argue that the rules are correct even if the dm says otherwise right yeah they are the rules are law and everybody has to follow them and that's not that's not true at all um yeah and it it, it, it that can be a hard habit to break out of for players um I know I should nudge nudge (laughs) 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 but on the kind of going down the list a little bit and on the opposite end of that staleness um, when you when you don't have a rules lawyer and nobody knows the rules uh, you can 
expect that in the the way that the game moves and also in the way that the party interacts with each other and the way that you interact with the party and they interact with the story. Um, I say that usually lasts the first three sessions. Yeah, I was about to say, this can, this can be especially bad if you have shy players and in the beginning when everybody's getting used to one another, getting used to playing their characters. Um... And in my opinion, nothing stinks more than as a GM having like this elaborate scene you've planned out, having your NPCs talk, and it, you cut off and wait for the party's response, and you just get crickets Fucking crickets, and dude. people st- staring at you. How, how many times did that happen to me this Sunday? Like two or three? <laughs> it, it like kill- four. Yeah, dude, it, four. Kill- it kills me sometimes. Uh, but that just comes with having some shy players, people who are either not paying attention, and also with me, I have an eight seven person party so that is also a whole nother ordeal but first session keep it to like four maximum players yeah we'll again we'll get down we'll go over yeah we'll get down to that later later. (laughs) specifics later but don't go over four for your first yeah maximum but even even veteran players even if you do have that guy who says he's been playing D for 10 years uh like i have it still takes a little bit to a little bit to get used to that character uh and how they want to play them and how they're going to interact with their characters and stuff like that on that note People who have been playing D&D for over 10, over 15, 20 years, sometimes they're, they can be worse than a um, new player. Because new players, they you can, you can say, okay, well, you can explain it to them and they'll, they're more moldable. They're like fresh clay. Whereas veteran players, you know, some of these guys don't play the edition you play. So, like, the current edition is 5th edition. I've played games with people who've played 2nd, 3rd, 3.5, 4th edition. And some of those players were not good. They would mix up rules from other editions and stuff like that. Getting abilities wrong, getting skills wrong, and, uh, yeah, general stuff like that. So, give everybody at your table time to adjust to the new setting that they've all put themselves in your first adventure your very first session no matter if you're a a a brilliant dm um except you know the brilliant dms out there i guess (laughs) or a a, a first (laughs) you're gonna sew this first adventure together with a lot of ums and ahs and eh, like weird dead spaces where you're trying to like collect your thoughts and your players are trying to collect their thoughts because they're really trying to think on how these characters would act in this story um so don't don't feel too bad if there's like some dead space or some like I don't I don't want to say confusion anymore but like hesitation to make action I'll say yeah um now granted if you have too many of those you need to be careful not to have one like every other sentence and every other scene but you know a couple are fine yeah don't make it look like you don't know what is happening but it's also okay to take your time and build the, the, the setting very slowly. Of course, we have to say always expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected because you, you just you can't think of everything. You will never it's think of everything. It's never going to happen. Not fucking, it's, it's just not never. fucking possible. In a game that has multiple dimensions, you cannot, in theory, think about the dimensions in which the dimension theory, string theory shit goes off into. It's just, it's like, it's infinite. There's no way. So Also, you just cannot predict how... Well, you can in some places, but you can't think of everything that someone can say, do, think, or how feel. your party's gonna act, dude. Like I've I've had people come to D and D in a bad mood from their like actual real life life, um, and not necessarily play their characters differently, but kind of lean into more some traits more so than they usually do, uh, and it'll completely throw off how they play that character that day. So oh yeah, no, like the the players a player's mood drastically affect, affects how they play their character, how they interact with the party, how they how how they affect the game that you run. No, exactly. So again, keep everybody having fun. Uh, and last but not least in this little section, uh, nothing ever in the history of everness will ever go perfectly. Perfect does not exist, especially in art. And I will be damned if somebody tells me that. DMing is not an art in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an I have an drawn and created and done more for my campaigns than I ever did in any fucking art class I ever took. So suck my my delicious Dungeon Master <laughs> knob, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very fucking true. God. Okay. I'm just remembering... I wonder where that fucking map notebook I have from three years ago is. Yeah, no, that's... I, it's just... It's, just it's, it's a three-section um, notebook... That's just 
full cover to cover with just different land masses, different maps, different caves, tunnel interiors that I spent like six months drawing. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. And that's I have my uh, my first campaign. Even though we stopped dead, like not dead in the middle, but we stopped before the last act started. I had 116 pages on Microsoft Word typed out. I had 27 pages handwritten from the prologue that I didn't have typed out, um, as well as I don't I don't even know the number of uh, like uh, just random adv- uh, adventure notes and locations and things that would happen in a dungeon and things. Before we move on to this next little one, um, I want to give a real quick thing of what you need to actually start. Um, you need a open space, big enough space for your um, group. You and your party. You need a yeah. You and your party. You need a space for you that the players cannot see. Get a dungeon screen, even if it's like just a piece of cardboard, like um, the blockers in school when you would take a test like that works fine Dude, get a space i wish i fucking had one see. of those still are you kidding me that's way better than a dm screen holy it's shit great. i've never even thought of that <laughs> <laughs> um you need that you need a set of um dice so a d20 d10 d12 d8 d6 d4 uh you can buy you those online those. or any comic book shop yeah they're they're super cheap um, unless you get the really fucking fancy ones. Don't. Um, and then you need a piece of paper, a large piece of paper, so you can draw your battle maps on it. Not true. I, I'm not going to say that that's a necessity, because I played my the first half of my entire campaign without drawing a map ever once, and it was perfectly fine. Oh, so fine. you went... I went all yeah, word okay. soup, baby. Give, give him, gave him that word soup, yeah, and I just played the, along with it. Theater of mine. Okay, so I, I highly recommend oh, me too. Me too. getting a large piece of paper because it will make your life so much easier so you can keep track of who's what where so that the party can see who's what where. Um, but you can do theater of mine, which is just verbally. And it's very difficult, um, and you need a small party to do that with. Uh, or else it just gets way too fucking confusing. Um, but it is possible to do it, and if you just want to sit down and just play, that's all. That's all that you really need is just some dice, some paper, some pens, and some friends. Yep, and a space to do it. But once you have all of that shit, and you want to become a DM, and you want to start getting into this whole like I want to build a campaign and a session thing, hold your horses. You should probably run a one shot first. Yeah, and nothing, nothing special at all i mean shit my first game was um my players walked into the bar the barkeeper said hey you guys we need someone to go kill these goblins and we're like all right sure they went and they cleared out a goblin nest which is just a single room cave with like a couple goblins in it and that was my first session and it was awesome i'm sure oh yeah it was fucking amazing oh yeah granted i fucked up like six different times with but it was still a fucking blast. Oh, 100%. Yeah, the uh, my f- the first one-shot I ever ran, oh my god, what was his name? He was a little blue, it was Connor. Uh, he played a little blue gnome called like Yip Yip, and he talked like Boomhauer. And he was the oh guardian god. of the forest. <laughs> <laughs> and he had his friend, uh, was an orc something, it was Brianna. And it was just them two, it was us three, it was a really small game. Um, and they went and they like basically did like a Dr. Seuss book. It was, I, I don't remember what I had just read. It was, it was, it was like the Lorax, but it wasn't the fucking Lorax. Um, and I took the plot of a Dr. Seuss book and just gave it to them. And it was amazing. I didn't really have to think too much about it. It was mostly based in rhymes and goofs and gaffs. Um, in Jared's first session that he ever played with us, we, we killed fucking some celebrity. I don't know who it was, but all I could think of was John Candy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're old enough to know who John Candy is, but uh, oh, he's uh, the Mog and Spaceballs and amongst a bunch of other things. Uh, but yeah, dude, it can be it's something as silly as you go and kill like a famous person or a, a, a yeah, pop culture or reference something. or something. Just give give your players a, a an objective, a thing to do, because that's that is what this whole thing is to do. You give your party an objective. And they find a way to conquer that objective, and then they conquer the objective, and then they a consequence happens, whether that be good or bad. Like that's 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 the prime setup right there. If you can get one of those down, and if you can get one of those to run smoothly, you're ready for the next. I would recommend level just starting off at level one. You can start off at higher levels, 
uh, like level five, you can have some pretty fucking gnarly shit at level five, and it gives your players a feeling of power. But I do recommend level one. You can do level five if you want. Yeah, though. I think I wrote that somewhere later as well. Um, L- later, I. That's what I'd say, uh, I saw later, but that that is still a thing, thing for, for now. Yeah, absolutely. Your first. For your first session, I yeah do a level one. That way, everybody is uh, kind of basic. You know, nobody's overwhelmed with not, the powers. You're not overwhelmed with trying to yeah. remember what every <laughs> spell does, and you don't have to work a character that is you know complex that has to fight a level ten character. It's it can be just as simple as a, a thirteen AC goblin with twelve health. You'll get into those uh, those uh, DM speaks later. <laughs> you will. It, it it comes with time. The biggest reason why you do the one shot first is it lets you get used to running a game. Um, it gives you a taste of what to expect with longer campaigns and longer and bigger sessions and more complicated sessions. Um, and it helps the players get used to themselves and yeah especially if they're a first time uh first time tabletop role player uh not even a first time D D player if this is the first time somebody sat at a yeah. table and tried to play a game like this they're not going to know how to act in a second skin um and this will this one shot will give them a very good uh consequenceless play area for them to get used to and uh, the last thing, it'll get used to the way that you tell a story because there's nothing more unique than how a person tells their stories or tells a joke or you know, portrays a character or what have you. Um, and every DM is different because they all imagine it differently. So it'll get them used to your pacing, your descriptions, your uh, characters, and the overall mood of how you play your game. I agree with that completely. Things to be noted from your one shot and kind of going into intimacy and tailoring to your players. Um, and I, this is a this is a definitely an important thing um, with physical D and yes. digital is god awful. Yeah, the it's hard to be as intimate, um, and I'm saying that word not in like a romantic way, obviously, but just in a, a physical proximity uh, and like you know emotional proximity as well. Digital is a weird story, of course. You you can be two feet away while also being fifteen thousand miles away. Um, it's hard to get that face-to-face and that value so we're going to skip on the whole digital era we're going to focus solely on like physical Dungeons and Dragons here on this section um your relationships to your players uh I went kind of you know ape wall on this one I'm going to try and tackle this as fast as I can uh you have to be able to tell your players that they're being a dick without starting drama at their table so if you have a player that's just not clicking with the rest of the party or is just not willing to go with your story or is just being a total uh, stick in the mud yes. or a wrench in your gears you have to be able to tell them um in the middle of the game sometimes you know if it's really just becoming unplayable you have to be able to tell them hey I need you to start working with me or we have to figure something out or something along those lines. And you have to be able to do that without being an asshole yourself, without totally just starting a bunch of drama at the table, because it may not be their fault. They may not know, you know, what's happening or what's, you know, they may be new X, Y, Z, all of, all of the above. And on the flip side of that is you have to be able to tell them they're doing a good job without a making it weird and B without directly telling them, uh, well, I mean, you can without directly like patting them on the head. Yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. So be, instead of being like, "Great job, you you did an amazing job slaying those goblins" or whatever, you can, you know, you can, it can be as something as easy as like a smile or like a "Hey, great job, guys." Or you can even weave it into the story where you know something fantastical happens after they complete a, you know a really hard thing. Uh, but being able to praise your players is is more important than being able to reprimand them because if your players feel like they're doing a good job. That's only going to increase the amount of fun that they're having, and it's only going to increase the amount that they want to spend in your universe. It also makes you feel good when people are happy with your story. That is a wonderful Whenever feeling. Whenever they're touched or when they're invested. Uh, I made Brianna cry oh, uh, a couple of times in my last campaign, and bro, I felt like, uh, dude, my DM dick was so hard. Oh, I was I was like, <laughs> yes, give me the power. Give me your souls. <laughs> Uh, obviously, I made someone cry and I got hard. Is what I got. <laughs> wait, wait, can we edit that one out, please? Hold on. Uh, uh, also, something to kind of be said about that little joke is don't don't become drunk with power where you start punishing your players for yeah. no reason either. Don't either. Um, that's a, that's a very bad. Thing. That's pretty self-explanatory though. Again, everybody wants to have fun. Uh, you have to be able to pull somebody apart. Uh, or away from the table after the session, before the session, what have you. You have to be able to talk to them one-on-one uh, Have so you can kind of have like a complete understanding of their character and how their character interacts with your world. Sometimes you don't have to do this. Uh, a lot of times veteran players just kind of get it and you get it and the vibe is just naturally there. 
But sometimes with newer players or with people who are using a different um, expansion that they're not used to, or just sometimes just to get like a refresher course on what's happening, uh, being able to sit down and have a one-on-one with your player and be able to keep that DM player uh, relationship going is super important. You know, not giving away too much of your story where somebody can accidentally spill the beans um, and not being too vague to where they still don't understand after asking you a specific question. Um, Also, you another thing is... um this is this goes along with that is outside of questions just i know sometimes myself with my players i'll just randomly shoot him a text and ask him you know hey what's your character's favorite food or hey you know how would your character what why does your character do what you do you know um do they love anybody do they have any fears um you know just random questions about their character to keep them thinking about it and help them fill their character out. A lot of times, veteran players won't need this. Uh, well, actually, that's actually that's not true. I almost say they, they don't need it, but it's always always a good boost. A helpful. It's very like helpful. Uh, in this session last Sunday, I took the time and actually went around the table uh, and asked every player a different question about their character. Um, it wasn't just as simple as like, okay, Barduk, what's your favorite color? Okay, Zephos, what's your favorite color? Like, no, I asked you know, different questions about different parts of the different characters' lives and made them kind of answer them so they had to really fucking think about how these characters would act and how they would truly feel about the situations that they're in. And what's the, uh, what's this last one you've added there, uh, Levi? Ah, okay, yes. So this is... this. I didn't really know where else to put this, but... So... If you have, you know, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a significant other, or, you know, someone you're really close to, leave your romantic feelings and your personal feelings at the door. Um, You as a DM, your job is to make sure everybody feels included in this story, and you, the last thing you want to do is make some of your players feel like they're the squire to somebody else's knight. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, so that's if you, and that's not even romantic feelings. Like I like personal feelings and shit. I I agree with that. Personal feelings is what I yeah, meant. Yeah, that, that's is, that's uh, even that's. I think that's a better way. To, I'm just talking. Um, like you don't want to. So say you have a crush on uh, the guy or the girl that's sitting across from you at the table. You don't want to write your story around that one person because the rest of your party will feel like shit because they're not in the spotlight. They're not being focused on. They're not, you know, the one you're crushing on. And that that sucks. That sucks to not be in the story that you are probably more so acting in than that person is, you know? I've played in games where the, you know, the DM has had a significant, or there was this one game, this guy, he was running a game and his girlfriend was in the game and she was brand new to D&D, never played it ever before. And she had no fucking idea how to play the game. And he would bend over, bra- excuse me, he would bend over backwards, straight up break rules that he would enforce for other players, but break for her. Just so it would be easier for her. Just, yeah. Yeah, just because she was his girlfriend. There's, I, I sign, I make all of my players sign a contract uh, before they play my games. Um, and it's nothing crazy. It's not like they're signing my life away, but it's an, it's basically an agreement, less of a, con- a contract. Give me your souls. Give me your souls. Uh, and... It, it it says that I, as the DM, will always give everybody at my table an equal time in the spotlight. You know, if you play the game, I will make sure that you get your, your time in the spotlight. Um, and that everybody is played, or everybody is seen as an equal. Nobody is more important to this party than anybody else. I mean, that's just, you know, one of the side, bar, uh, side notes thing, but that that's super important as a GM is all of these people are kings on your chess board all of these people are exactly what you need to make this party happen or this this story happen this game happen because without them there wouldn't be a game you would be sitting in your fucking room talking to yourself making you know funny noises a book (laughs) now that being said you will have people who come out and um end up as a more as sort of like a party leader Kind of, um, and you have people who kind of fall, not necessarily to the sidelines or to the back, but play more of a supportive role. Or just don't, just don't say as much. Yeah, there are shy people will do this. If you have somebody who's very charismatic and outgoing, they're probably going to end up being the face of the party, whereas you have someone who's very shy and, 
you know, not a very introverted, they will probably end up more of a supporter or just the, vo- the uh, voice, even like the brains of the operation. I've seen yes. that happen a lot where my, my, my bard fighters will end up at the front talking while the, you know, the shy sorcerers or whoever is in the back, like, hmm, no, we shouldn't fucking trust this guy. Maybe we should do this instead. So that, yeah, just make sure that it's, it's tailored and tailored to your players because without them, you are nothing. And without you, they're just a bunch of, they're they are nothing. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Especially. They're nothing. just, they're oh, just, shit. <laughs> They're just a bunch of people sitting in a room rolling math rocks around. Exactly. So now now you know how to run a one-shot. You know how to be intimate with your players. You know how to grab their attention, and you know how to respect uh, when they speak and you know their attention and their wants and needs. And now it gets time into actually planning your first session, this first real juicy bit of playable lore that your players are going to experience in this world that you are building or have yet to build or whatever. Um, prefacing this always do a small adventure first do your one shot first who gives like, a fuck make yeah, them go like kill some said. goblins and then introduce them to another character and then introduce introduce them to another character do this do this slowly i don't think we ever we put a bullet yes. point in here for this uh so just no. to say it and to really just fucking nail it home do it slow <laughs> never bite off more than you can Take chew it. because it is so hard to retcon and fill plot holes after they've happened it, that is a nightmare because what's going to happen is you're going to say, okay, well, uh, let's let's retcon this and actually have had this happened. Half your players will forget it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, that and it's and then you know somewhere two sessions later you're going to realize that it creates another plot hole that you have to then go and try and retcon and fix. And then by the end of it, you've created a whole another story that you didn't even play. Yeah. So from exactly. the get go, just know what you're doing. Start small. It's better to have short sessions with leave them wanting more than to have a, an eight hour session and have your players be bored by the end of it. Yeah. Cause eight hour sessions will burn your players oh, out. Yes, they will. Getting into it. Funny, serious, dramatic, what did, what 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 should you choose? What what do you uh, what, what do you what do you do, Levi? What do, what do I do? Uh, you don't choose this. Your players do. So what I mean by that is I've had campaigns where I've planned them to be serious, you know, nitty gritty, um, dark, dramatic stuff, and my players have just gone off the rails. Example: I had this one game where the evil king, or there, excuse me, there was an evil king. And players, he was, you know, he was being a, he was a tyrant and my players were supposed to go and stop them and there's supposed to be all this intrigue and, oh, he's actually kind of not so bad, but oh, wait, maybe it is sort of thing. What happens is the players go to a ball to try and start gathering information on him and the bard goes, hey, can I roll to seduce him? And I go, all right, sure, that's a disadvantage roll. What ends up happening is from across the room, the king notices the bard which mind you he's a human male the bard is a kobold Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. wait half the half the size of this human person completely different looking and the king is just smitten with him (laughs) and so then i had to and then it just became this really stupid thing where it's like oh love will prevail well not really stupid but it it completely shifted the tone of the campaign. Absolutely, yeah. How are you? How are you supposed to keep a nitty gritty hardcore campaign when your king is in love with one of your players? Like it's it gets weird, man. And then I had another session where somebody named their character Poopy McPooperson. So yeah, even that, straight out of the gate, it's hard to it's hard to, to nail these things down. And that that session or that game turned into one of the most memorable session games for me and my players. One hundred percent. That that's the that's that was actually the first game I made somebody cry and which which feels good again nice dude feeling. it's a really good feeling when you make people cry <laughs> which it's, it sounds really it sounds fucked fun. up but it was tears of joy uh, it was tears well, of joy that? yeah so so what i think the the to sum out from this would be don't don't Moral plan story. too hard into it have a general mood you know give your your world a a, a, a filter you know sapia black and white xyz whatever um, but don't expect that to last forever especially if your players are generally goofy or the opposite of what you're trying to plan um, but this can go into with the amount of prep how how long are you going to prep for this session how how big do you want this session to be or how in detail do you want it to be is it going to be hours could it be minutes days this is something that we talked about earlier that some uh, dms will go five ten minutes before the session starts write down all of the ideas they've been thinking about for the last week and then just go from that 
Uh, and then you have on the opposite side of the spectrum, like me, who I'll spend like 20 hours a week trying to get these scenes just right and really enveloping myself in the story, creating backstories and extra pages. A lot of the shit I write never even sees the light of day, but it's there just in case my players ask for it. Yeah. Also, also to note, note here, um, session prep, prepping for preparing for a session and preparing for a campaign are two different things. Session prep, you need to be thinking, all right, characters are going to go here. Who are they interacting with? What's there there? You know, do I have a hidden door here? Or whereas a campaign is, you have to think more long term. But we'll get we'll cover campaign planning. Yeah, campaign is going to be a way later. So for the session, that's actually a really good point though. Keep it reasonable. Keep it within you know a, a mouthful. What are they going to do at this? this four hour block or six hour block that you've given yourself what are they going to do in that time span don't try not to think too much after that or to the side of that try and think for the most part while you're planning the session what are they going to do um and you can do this with seven questions that I've learned to ask myself before every session that I make so I I fill these questions out every time I start to write a session um which again is just the amount of time that most players are going to pee uh, pee good god play <laughs> Uh, so it's in, in order. Where do they start? What's their motivation? Where do they go? What do they find when they get there? How do they achieve their goals? What consequences follow those goals? And how does this affect them or the story? And I promise you, even if you can put one word down after each of those, you're going to start to see a timeline and a, a story just naturally unfold before your eyes. Because when one word is down and that whole list is full, you can be like, oh, well, this kind of connects to this. And then they can go and do this. And then this person's going to talk to them. And then, oh, I can see this happening over here. And you start to build outwards. And that is, I think, the most key feature is have your rudimentary A, A B, C, D, E this is what's happening and then start building layers on top of it. What I'm, what I'm going to add here is while you're planning for this session, have an idea of what you, what that session's end goal is. It goes along with his questions, you know, what's the goal? How do they get there? But don't railroad them. Don't be like, all right, there's a specific path to get from A to B that they have to follow. If they don't follow this path, they won't, to, they won't get to B. Because that, that goes into planning for every possible um, choice they'll make, which is impossible. Have a general idea of what you want to accomplish that session and then let kind of guide the party to them. Again, to uh, uh, I feel like this is something more in the court of like an improv DM, but only having bullet points keeps it really flowy and the opportunities endless. That's a water bottle falling. My apologies. Um, <laughs> so if you have, you know, just the simple, like a simple quote that says, kill the bandits on East street, you know, and you don't have a name tied to it or a, a character, it doesn't really matter where your characters go or who they talk to or what they end up in. As long as that one line of dialogue can come across the party, that'll set in motion what needs to start happening. So you don't have to railroad them into that specific bar, bar scene where they talk to that one specific dude and the one weird cloak who's sitting in the back. Like you don't have to, f it's hard to force it's like herding cats, my guy. You can't just force it them is. into a corner it like is. that. You have to leave it vague and limitless to anybody or everything to say or do. Yeah, no, I, I actually got a quick story about this. I had a player, a uh, band of players, a party, excuse me, a party. They walked into a tavern, and it was supposed to be the stereotypical, oh, there's a hooded figure in the dark, darkened corner over there, and, you know, they're supposed to go over talking to them. They all failed their perception checks and noticed nothing, and they... And I had to just pull something out of my ass to how. Yeah, dude. So that plot. Hook sometimes happened. the dice don't even let you do your fucking job correctly. Like it's it's it, there's no way <laughs> to to do that. There's just there's no possible way. And if you try to, your players are gonna see right through it, and they're gonna realize that this is not a game that they have a choice in. They're just here for along the ride. Yeah. All right. What's the what's what, what what's what's this next point? Uh, player count for the love of God. Player count. Um, this is probably one of. This isn't probably probably this is one of the most important things as a DM to keep in mind and understand. Um, be understand. So, the more players you have, the more time is is uh, the more time it's going to take to do something exponentially. Exponentially, yes, it grows exponentially. It does not. It does not stack. So, if one person takes ten seconds, the next person is going to take fifteen minutes. Like it's wild. Whereas a small party of three players in four hours can get through maybe five scenes, you know, where they whereas they can get through like five or six, maybe even seven if they're all if they know what they're doing. 
Um, a party of seven, like um, like we have, we have, we got through what three scenes? I think in five hours. The more people that have a say in what happens and what they want to do, and that you have to take time to explain, the longer exponentially that this is going to take. Uh, especially because the more players that you have is the more different that they're going to want to be from each other. And when you hit a certain point, you're going to start seeing fucking space aliens. No lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's not wrong. When you're first starting out, keep it small. Do no more than four. Like we said, or like I said earlier, do no more than four. Preferably for me as an experienced DM, my preferable group size is four or five players. I don't like going above that. Going below that is fine, but I think it... it um... Anything more than that just gets convoluted and messy. And we're we're running into that big time over in my session area, so... I've run a session with 11 people, and that was just a fucking nightmare. Oh, it's fucking awful. Yeah, I had 13 as my max once, and we didn't do anything. We just, we just talked uh, to each other about the rules of the game for four hours. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it gets so screwed up. So, do yourself a favor. Just and keep it small. Basically, and you're going to have to do... You have to tell people no and do yourself a favor and do that because the reason I had 13 goddamn people at my table one day is because I just kept saying yes to people who wanted to play my game because I didn't want to be mean and turn them down. And the unfortunate thing is, yeah, and the unfortunate thing is, is 90% of those people had never played a tabletop role playing game before. So not only was I adding just more and more people to my session, I was adding more and more new new players to my session so that in and of itself took much longer to get them used to this like the game and then used to the story and then used to the party and then used to you know it's 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 it gets more stressful than it's ever worth it's it's not fun it just gets to the point where you're like you're like teaching a class yeah i i cannot believe we forgot about this but session zero. Oh, oh dude how did we forget about session zero okay so for new people, session zero is the is is your actual it isn't your first play session. It's the session that you sit down with your players and you make their characters go over their characters if they make them themselves. You you get the players ready for the campaign. See, and also I okay maybe we didn't forget it. I feel like that's more of like a, a campaign thing more than just like a session thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but uh, we we just forgot to mention that. Um, I think it went with. Probably should have said something about it when running the one yeah, shot. But uh, just to, just to touch on it here, yeah, session zero is the the game that you don't ever you don't actually sit and play your characters. You 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 all go to the table and you describe your characters. You basically just talk the rules of the game to each other. You know, my character is this. They're from here. They're this race. They're this class, and they've done this with their life. Um, and you know, all of the details about you know who you are and how much backstory you've put in and all this that and the other. And a session zero will can will and can make or break a party absolutely because that first initial four hours if it's just straight thrown into the game it it's gonna kind of derail that first actual playable session whereas if they could get all of their weird quirks and kinks out with each other before they even like play the characters they can kind of go into that first session with a little bit more like lube in their gears and be okay with where everybody's at yeah it's not it's that and like i said getting them ready for it all right and Prepping characters, going over them, and making sure everything's settled. A- answering questions uh, that players might have about abilities yeah, or, or what you know, rules you allow. Or rules. Yeah, exactly. um, I feel like we talked about this one already. Uh, player level, wh- wh- where to start? Player like start at level one if you can, or if you've got some more experienced players who don't want to just play bullshit cardboard characters, you can start at level five. That does require you to know a little bit more, but it's it's really not that bad. What to accomplish in this first session? Uh, I feel like, again, we've kind of touched on this a little bit. We already probably talked about this, um, yeah. Set set simple goals. Like, don't, even if it's bigger than just going to kill some goblins, maybe it's killing a goblin and then find out that that goblin had a key to a dun- uh, a small dungeon, and then in that small dungeon they find a sword. You know, that can be the session. It's, again, it's very ABC. It's got a lot more than your first one shot did, but even still, it's really hard to derail that and fuck that up. Yes. So, again, it, it very always start small. Now we get into the the really detailed bits and parts of planning and running a session. Um, 
combat, role play, puzzles, difficulty, all that sort of stuff. Let's start with combat. That's everybody's favorite thing to do. The whole reason that we build characters and get weapons and get magic is so we can fucking kill shit. So in my experience, I've noticed that when it comes to combat and versus roleplay at least, newer players will prefer combat because they don't have to worry about, you know, embarrassing themselves or maybe they're not comfortable with their character yet or... They'll prefer combat where they have, okay, you know, these are the rules. It's hard, I, I don't have to worry about fucking up or playing a character or acting or whatever. Whereas veteran players will prefer role play over combat. Um, granted, they'll still enjoy combat, but they'll just prefer role play. And I'm actually finding myself in that latter, latter category where I'm enjoying role play more than I enjoy combat. Not to say I don't enjoy combat because I do, but I just if I have a choice, I will go. Role and I play. feel like veteran players, uh, especially when they do start to enjoy role play a little bit more, or more so than combat, they'll start finding ways to incorporate more role play into the combat. They'll start giving more reasons as to why their characters make the actions, or you know, start speaking as a free action a little bit more, or actually putting more emphasis or pizzazz on the moves that they make in combat. But that not necessarily so much for the players, but for you as a DM, how do you do that? How do you how do you set a scene for 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 fun to happen? Well, nobody wants to fight a cardboard cutout. Sending like the video game, the way, the how video games do it, like waves and waves of just mindless enemies. You, you know that that's only so much fun for so long, but. You know, you want some more pizzazz than that, right? You don't want to just go, okay, I attack with my sword. Okay, I attack with my sword. Fireball. Gives you gives you a power trip for, like, the first first time it happens. And after that, it's just like, oh, okay, they're just, oh, fine, I swing again, I kill another goblin. Oh, fine, I'll swing again, kill another goblin. And for your first couple of sessions, especially if your players are new, this is fine. They're not even going to notice, I promise. But when, when you do start yeah, getting no. more into it and you start having combat once a session or, you know, however you want to do it, you have to start coming up with cool ways for these fights to unfold or, you know, so you don't even have to really change anything about the enemies, just change either where they're standing. Maybe two people are up on a ledge or two people come in later in the fight or, you know, X, Y, Z, as well as, you know, the party gets pincered and somebody comes from yeah, behind. Separate or... the party, you know, the rock slide separates, it splits them into two, two halves, whether one V one or six V four, you know, whatever. Give the, give the enemies personalities, you know, maybe not. Not not like a full write-up of a character of like, oh, his name is Dave, he has a wife and two kids, his grandmother or his mother is sick and dying with leukemia <laughs> It, do, it doesn't have to be that deep. But that maybe deep give deep. him a no, lisp. Like, maybe he talks like this and he likes apples. That right there, more than yeah. enough, your players will fucking eat him up, I promise you. I, I, the first time I did this with was with a goblin, and he was like, I'm goblin, no, please, no. And they fucking adopted him. Right then and there. Fight's over. Oh my god, he's scared. I want to love him and hold him forever. About the video game thing is, they're not just... Enemies are not just going to charge, mindlessly charge at your players. If in... So, example, in Donovan's uh, game, last session, in the first eight... Or so, one round of combat is six seconds. So, in like the in the first six seconds, we took out... Like ninety percent of yeah, our there enemies. were twelve, and then there were two standing. At that point, if it were if they were human enemies, which they were not, in, um, but if it was like a group of bandits that had just ambushed them on the road, those two remaining guys in real life, they'd fucking book it out of there, and be like, oh fuck, yeah, this. they just wiped, they just watched their entire you know family get wiped out in two swings from the Goliath and the half horse woman. Like, I'm not sticking <laughs> around for that shit, dog. I don't think anybody <laughs> in their right mind would. So give give your enemies like they will run. You know, if your players, if they just fucking destroy your uh, encounter, don't be afraid to, like, actually legitimately back away from it with your enemies. You know, have them throw a white flag. Or if anything, like, have them pop a rage or double up or send in reinforcements or something like that. Like, bring some spice to the table. Um, and even more so, like, with boss fights and things like that. Um, you know, you can send out one 200 HP enemy and have them fight it. Or you can, which, uh, again, I'm going to bring up Jared's thing. Uh, Jared's animated dragon. Um, just to quickly yeah, that wrap was... that up, uh, first session, the party met a, uh, uh, a dragon. We killed it. I don't know all the details on it, whatever. Three sessions later, we go into a dungeon and find that the local goblins had taken the corpse of that dragon and fucking reanimated it with steam power. 
Um, and there were, it was kind of like in this weird, you know, WW or, uh, the, uh, like boxing ring kind of thing. Ring S yeah, thing. Yeah, it was, and each of the goblins had like a pulley system and they all had to like manipulate the dragon in a certain way. So it was really cool and really intricate. And uh, the reason that we're fucking talking about it right now is just, it was because we didn't just fight a dragon. We fought an idea and this whole like scene played out, you know, the fight only lasted what a round and a half and then the whole scene changed because i shot a bunch of dynamite but i don't want to talk about it <laughs> the boss fight not only was really cool but there was also a very easy way out of it that then led into the rest of the story so uh you know it's kind of seeing through the dm screen a little bit if the party would have gotten pinned down or something like that jared could have detonated that uh tnt at any point and then saved the party and kept the story moving as well giving yourself a way out of a rather hard encounter is super good too but more on that later. That too, I suppose. yeah. Puzzles and riddles. Did never underestimate the value of these in your campaign. But also never overestimate the idiocracy of your party. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I had so you you guys uh you, you know the thing like when you're a little kid and you have like the square hole, the circle, the rectangle hole, you know those things that you put the blocks through? I had one of the I, I took that and I dressed it up a little bit. And I gave it to my, I gave it to a party I was pl- I was running a game for. I would like to assume we're decently smart people. It took them an hour and thirteen minutes to figure it out. I know the thirteen because I was fucking counting. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I, I have the same anecdote, man. That's I have fucking college grads at my table, and it took them two and a half hours to get a third grade word riddle down. All they had to do was literally say the word password, and they just could not get past the door that was like <laughs> say the password. <laughs> It's like, oh, come on, guys. I really, really thought this one was going to... And then I had to cut six rooms out of my dungeon because it took so fucking long. Uh, but that that leads perfectly into the, the next and I think the, the last little tidbit we'll talk about here um, on this episode is difficulty. How hard and how challenging and how pressing are these situations, these combats, these encounters, these scenes to your players? If, if you have hard session after hard session after hard session after hard sessions, it's going to run your players ragged. It's going to be like Dark Souls. Punishing. P- very punishing. But if you sprinkle in, you know, if you go hard session, hard session, easy session. You know, maybe they go to the park or the festival or something. Uh, maybe, maybe you know, they, they've slayed the dragon. The king throws a banquet in their honor. Generally, just like as a one-on-one is your first one. And this is going to sound weird at first. Uh, if you think about it like a line and on one end is super trivial, like second grade stuff, you put the circle in the circle hole and the star in the star hole, granted, hoping that your players can actually do that in an amount of time. Uh, and then the other side of that line is completely impossible. You know, it's calculus to them uh, and, you know, star matter or whatever. Generally, the sweet spot for your difficulty is actually like halfway or three fourths of the way to impossible. Um because you 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 want your players to feel pressed. You want them to feel like their actions matter, and if they don't do anything, that matters just as much. Um, of course, you can always, just like in almost every video game ever, you can go to the pause menu and drag that slider down in the middle of the session if you have to. You can half the boss's health. You can make their AC drastically dip for two rounds or whatever. You can always change these things. But generally, you want to set it just a little bit harder than what you think they can accomplish. Because we've been talking real dumb shit on players, but they're some of the smartest people you're going to run into as well. And sometimes they're going to tackle the shit you thought was impossible in seconds. So it's always better to aim higher than than set the bar too low. A perfect example of this was I had given, I gave my players this riddle and I was like and it was the end of the session I was like alright this riddle is pretty decently hard you know I'll give them some time to think about it over the week and then we'll come back and see what they've got right I give the riddle to the players 10 I shit you not not even 10 seconds later 10 seconds later one of the players goes oh is this the answer and gives me the exact answer verbatim from what I have and I cried this is something that the players were supposed to like sit and think on for the next week too this was like at the dead end of the session yeah it was and and he just he looks at it says the answer and i just uh, there goes that all of that cool mysterious fun fun stuff yeah and more on uh your 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 plans getting shot on uh in the running and planning later uh, running the session thing but 
Yeah, the um, yeah. always go a little bit harder than what your players with what you think your players can do, and always bring down because it's super hard to like start an encounter or a scene or whatever as a really easy like flowery you know imagination filled happy land, and then just out of nowhere turn it into this hellscape. Um, while it's it's a lot easier to turn that hellscape down just a little bit each time and make that fire just a little less hot until they don't even realize they're not in fire anymore, you know? Yes, uh, and we will get into more on how to do that in the next episode, which will be running the session and planning campaigns, running campaigns. So this is something that I think Levi and I kind of disagree on a little bit, but I do want to put, put more like explanation on it, so I think I can explain my side a little better. But uh, you should always say yes to whatever a player is trying to do because it is not your job to limit your players it is your job to enable and to balance those actions that they ultimately still uh that they choose um, so that they are ultimately still challenged because challenge is what is fun as we said earlier um i don't mean and now hold on just just let me let me have let me have it for a minute i don't mean that you should let your players just run rampant and go and fuck dudes and butts and be murder hobos and uh scratch that fuck dudes and butts that's kind of hetero or homophobic (laughs) (laughs) just don't let the mini fuck any butts you don't you don't want your players to just go and do whatever they want and to totally derail your campaign however you do want them to have fun so rather than just completely shutting somebody down, if they do have a really, really stupid idea, say yes to it in a way that makes sense, you know, or say no to it in a way that makes sense. Um, so in, in a way that almost sounds like a yes, you know, so if your player wants to just all of a sudden kill the shopkeeper, subtly remind them that there were two guards standing outside the door whenever they walked in, um, and just kind of like those little things. It's sort of like, hey, if you you absolutely 100% can make this decision, however, hell will absolutely rain on your head if you try to do so. Um, or if they want to do a crazy triple backflip and then stab the boss in the neck, that's going to require a DC 25 acrobatics check at disadvantage, bud. Let's see you roll that one. You know, like make, make it stupid hard and make them feel like they tried and then failed because they challenged themselves and they had this idea and they really wanted to do it rather than just being like, no, that's a dumb idea, you idiot. Let's not do that. Because how much fun is that? You don't, you don't want to be told no over and over again. You want to be told no with reason. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now that you've explained what you meant by that, I completely agree because what I was thinking you, were, you meant was like... Oh yeah, no. If if um, you know, if they ask to walk up and kill the king, let them. Like, yeah, no, absolutely no. not. No. For me, you have to. You always have to give a reason why no, even if it is just the dumbest reason of you physically cannot. You can't lift a fifteen thousand pound boulder and throw it into the center of town. Sorry, bud, you're not that strong. I had a player in a campaign I ran. He tried to. He was a barbarian but what happened is a metal portcullis slammed down portcullis slammed down in the gateway it's a steel portcullis he walks up to it and he's like all right i roll athletics to lift portcullis i just told him look dude you can't you physically cannot there is no way that a normal man is going to be able to lift lift this gate that weighs thousands of pounds right and just like if it if your players want to do something completely reality breaking sometimes you you yourself have to break that fourth wall or that reality yourself and just be like look that's not possible like exactly what levi is saying is just that even if you roll a critical success with your plus 15 on strength because you're you know proficient with your hands or whatever like it's just not possible you know like i can't go out and touch the sun I'm just a man. Just because you do have these plus fives and you are seen as a god in society and stuff like that doesn't mean you're actually Jesus and you can walk on water and turn things into wine. Even those sorcerers can do that. We're talking about barbarians. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Um, right. <laughs> so yeah, don't don't be also like don't be afraid to sometimes rip the carpet out from underneath them and like this kind of goes back. Tell your players they're being dicks without ta- causing drama. You know, if they're totally just trying to derail your campaign, stop it for a second. Put the put put the train on hold. You know, put, pump the brakes. Be like, "Yo, dude, real check check yourself." This is something we'll get into more so next episode. But be prepared to give your players consequences when, not if, when they do stupid things. When they deserve. When they deserve. Them. Yes, them. that that's what I mean. Is when they do stupid things on purpose. Yeah. Well, not even on purpose. Like not. 
I, the, the, we'll get into consequence trackers, I think, with campaigns because that that, yeah. that goes over a, a whole series of time. But yeah, uh, a quick thing: I've in every campaign I've run, I have a, sh- a separate sheet of paper that I call the consequence tracker. And any time a player does something that I think would make a mark on the world or a a relationship, or whatever, I jot it down. Sometimes they never come to fruition and it's forgotten about and whatever. But other times you can literally base your key like sessions and these key plot points around those consequences. And it's I mean, cool. good and bad. Con- consequences not just bad consequences because things they do can have good effects oh yeah absolutely like yeah saving the town like you said have the king throw them a banquet in their honor and then build a statue and then give them like a weekly wager for a year or something like that like absolutely put in. i would say put in more good consequences than you do bad because if you just straight punish your players again they're they're not they're going to be afraid but to do we'll get more into that uh next time we are uh, dragging our feet here yeah, that's we should probably wrap this buddy up. So, but to to wrap up this little bit, um, uh, you're there to set goals, and your party is there to complete those goals by making choices. Again, this is the basis of all Dungeons and Dragons games everywhere. All tabletop. Uh, this games. is how it, all tabletop, yeah, all tabletop games, games exactly. at least. Uh, this is how your players are going to have fun. Yes, they're going to have fun talking to each other and bullshitting and having, you know, uh, weird role-playing sessions. But at the end of the day, they're there to conquer a task that you set for them a way that they want to do and in a way that will affect something later, whether that be good or bad. Uh, but, yeah, dude, that was that was a lot for our first episode. Oh, I feel yeah. like we did good. Whatever, oh, yeah. you know, ask... Uh, <clears throat> what what to expect run make sure you run your one shot be intimate with your players plan your sessions however you see fit uh and yeah we'll continue on with getting into running that session and uh getting into campaigns planning campaigns and session after session after session and eventually like chat so um i think i i don't know how to end one of these fucking things either i guess do we is it like youtube do we thank them for listening or thank you guys for tuning in uh be here next uh, week when we Put this record another one. Continue talking about our our crippling obsession that we're trying to put into a positive way into the planet. (laughs) Look, we're like we're like the CIA in the 1980s. We're trying to get you hooked. Oh yeah, bro. And then never ever let you go. Exactly. (laughs) Or admit to it either.